prophecies foretell sacrifices will resume in Israel just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I viewed one of 21 kosher red heifers needed for the purification ceremony in order to resume these ritual sacrifices. I'll fill you in on the details on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Dave Robbins. I'm with End Time Ministries, and I thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. And most of you know that I was going to see a red heifer yesterday over here in Carrollton, Texas. And I want to fill you in on the details about that because if it all pans out and everything works out the way that the rabbis and different people think it will, it could be one of the most recognizable fulfillments of Bible prophecies in the last 2,000 years. So I want, to, I want to give you a little background, tell you what happened yesterday, and then we'll go into the future prophecy, and then we'll tie it all in before the end of the program, because you need to understand how important this is. So the red heifer in the third temple. Why is the red heifer so important? Well, God instructed Israel back in Numbers 19 that a person could not go up to the sanctuary of the Lord or the temple if he had ever had contact with a dead body. And until that individual went through a ritual purification, um, they could not go up there. So if a person had been in a, a house with a dead body, visited a funeral home, walked through a cemetery, I mean, been in a hospital when someone had died, experienced contact with a dead person in any way, that individual was considered impure and not allowed to go into the house of the Lord. So any person violating that commandment was to be cut off from the people of Israel. So um, today you would think in terms of somebody being excommunicated from a church or from a body of people or whatever like that. No, no more. You, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. You're out of here. So, Jewish religious leaders believe that no one on earth today is pure from contact with a dead body. And for that reason, they do not believe it is possible to rebuild Israel's temple on the Temple Mount. Jews who presently visit the Temple Mount, like I said the other day, they take great care not to go into those areas where the first and second temples once stood. So, now enter the red heifer. The red heifer, as described in Numbers 19, is the only way Jewish under Jewish law that a person can be purified from contact with a dead body. And consequently, Jews believe that a qualified red heifer must be produced before Israel's third temple can be rebuilt. So, let, the, one of the main entities, organizations on the earth, 
pushing for the building of the third temple is obviously the Temple Institute in the Jewish quarter in downtown Jerusalem. The importance of the red heifer, I want to give it to you in the words of the Temple Institute, and I'm quoting from their website. They say, in our times, the commandment of the red heifer takes on more and more significance because without it, the divine service of the Holy Temple cannot be resumed. There is spiritual renaissance today in Israel. After almost 2,000 years, Israel is clearly moving towards the time when the Holy Temple on Mount Moriah, the prophesied third temple, will be rebuilt. Now, you understand that the Ezekiel 37 prophecy about the gathering back together of the nation of Israel, um, and then, but when they were gathered back together originally in 1948, they did not have control of the Temple Mount. Well, after the Six Days War, they took back the territory, including the Temple Mount and the West Bank, and... That's when they stood and they said, hey, the temple is in our hands. So they believe that, they, hey, God's moving up on them. He's allowing all this stuff to happen. He's making it happen and that in the very near future, he will bring a red heifer to them. They can resume sacrifices, the atonement for sin for Israel on down the line. Well, we know prophecy says that that's exactly what's going to happen. But I will give you the Christian perspective on that here in just a moment. But. According to the Temple Institute, what does a red heifer have to do with any of this? Well, they say perhaps it would be difficult for some to believe that a cow could be so important, right? But in truth, the fate of, the, in their words, the fate of the entire world depends on the red heifer. Now, again, I'll get into the Christian aspect of this in just a moment because I want you to understand both sides and, and what I'm excited about because I'm not excited about necessarily the sacrifice because I need one. But I'm excited about the potential for this because of the red heifer because it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Now, the Temple Institute says, well, for God has ordained that its ashes alone of the red heifer are the single missing ingredient for the reinstatement of biblical purity and thereafter the building of the Holy Temple. So, why am I excited? Well, I know that the Bible prophesies the rebuilding of the temple. Folks, there will be a third temple stand on the temple mount in the very near future. You understand John wrote the book of Revelation in about 95, 96 AD. The temple was destroyed by the Roman general Titus in 70 AD. So he was not prophesying in the book of Revelation about the second temple. He was prophesying about the third temple that would be built in the future. When did he say all these things would happen? Well, in Revelation uh, 11, 1 and 2, John was told to measure the temple and those that worship therein, but don't measure the outer court. So a person obviously cannot measure a temple if there's no temple to be measured, right? Remember, John's exiled on the Isle of Patmos when he's writing the book of Revelation he knows Jerusalem and the temple has been destroyed. And so God gives him a vision of a future temple and says, hey, measure the temple in the future, but don't measure the outer court. And so the temple given in the prophecy, when would this event, when would this event take place? Well, it's 42 months before the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. 
And therefore, this prophecy indicates the Jewish temple will be standing and in place 42 months and before that, before the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we know uh, during the prophecy, and if I have times, I'll, uh, I'll get there, but the third temple is going to be built during that first three and one half years prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So what's happening, happening is potentially very, very exciting. Things are moving. People are pushing for the building of the third temple, pushing to, to uh, find a red heifer, and they may have done that. And I'm going to fill you in on a lot more detail on the other side of the break. It's very exciting. And uh, who knows? We'll see what the future holds. Get seven deals of Christmas starting now. Do you remember that feeling you had as a kid during the holidays? You were so excited you couldn't sleep. What experience and gifts would you receive this year? The atmosphere at End Time is nearly the same. We're excited these seven deals are available through the end of 2021. Why are we so thrilled? Because we know these resources transform lives. And that's even more fun than Christmas, especially in these tough times. For the remainder of 2021, you can get deals like an End of the Age Plus subscription for $9.87 per month or just $99 per year. Jerusalem Prophecy College enrollment for $35 per course. Or my personal favorite, our brand new package, Irvin's Last Words. This is a five DVD set that includes Irvin's last sermon, conference, TV show, and radio show. Valued at over $100, but we're going to give it to you free with a donation of any amount. Go to endtime.com slash Christmas to access these exclusive deals through the end of the year. You can also call 800-END-TIME. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Now, Revelation 11, 1 and 2, prophesies about a future temple that will be built. However, the Apostle Paul talked about it as well. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, he foretells that the man of sin, the Antichrist, will sit in the temple, in a future temple, and claim to be God. And this incident is called the abomination of desolation, which Jesus said would occur 42 months before his second coming. So the temple has to be standing prior to that, right? So we have two prophecies stating that the Jewish temple will be rebuilt. Both of them prophesy the temple will be standing at the same time, at at the very least 42 months. It's going to be standing before that, prior to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The scriptures also indicate there will be 
a peace agreement signed very soon between the Israelis and the Palestinians. The prophecies foretell clearly that the Jewish temple will be completed during that three and one half year period following the signing of the peace agreement. And, you know, there's pressure from the international community right now in the Middle East Quartet for Israel to reach a two-state solution to the Palestinian problem. And it's never been greater than right now. I just saw where um, somebody in uh, President Biden's administration said, hey, we fully support the two-state solution. Joe Biden, his entire administration, but he was talking to Mahmoud Abbas. And he said, yes, we fully support the two-state solution. The Palestinians having a state right next to Israel uh, side by side. The entire international community, the world government, everybody believes that except for Christians and Jews. Or I should say the, 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 the Jews in Israel. I mean, there, there's probably some here in the United States that don't agree with that. But uh, myself, I don't agree with that. I don't believe Israel ought to give up one inch for peace of land. But the Bible says... They're going to. Now, prophecies also foretell that sacrifices will be resumed in the end time. This is very important for today's topic. Daniel 9.27, the Bible says, And he, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. It's a week of years, seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. You cannot cause a sacrifice to cease that has not been started in the first place, right? And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make a desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. Daniel 9.27. Also in Daniel 11.31, the Antichrist. How do I know it's the Antichrist? From Daniel 11, verse 20, all the way through the rest of the chapter... Prior to that, 1 through 19, it's talking about the kings of the north and all these different kings. But when it gets to verse 20, it's devoted specifically to the Antichrist. So in Daniel eleven thirty one, the Bible says, An arm shall stand on his part, his being the Antichrist. And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and he shall take away, the Bible specifically says, and shall take away, it's talking about his again, the Antichrist, shall take away the daily sacrifice. So we know that it's the Antichrist that will take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that make it desolate. So it's telling us right here who does that. He, t- he causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Daniel 9.27, Daniel 11.31, he causes the sacrifice to cease. So we know, without a doubt, that sacrifices will be resumed in Israel in the very near future. Once a peace agreement is signed, they're allowed to build their third temple. They've got a red heifer. They're going to do the purification ceremony, and then they can resume sacrifices. People will be, because they've been purified, people will be allowed to go up to the temple. That's what's coming, folks, in just the very near future. So we know the temple cannot be built many people would say, until Israel has a qualified red heifer for the purification of of the Israeli people. Now, I asked one of the rabbis yesterday at the meeting, I went up and asked some questions through a Zoom call because they were in Israel. I said, does it matter which happens first, the red heifer, the ceremony, the, the, the building of the third temple? And they said it doesn't matter. Now, 
If you ask some rabbis, they would say, oh, no, got to have the red heifer first, and then that will allow us to build the third temple. It really depends on who you ask. But the question, will the, will the, will the Temple Institute's project produce a red heifer? Because they started a project years ago, this, the big uh, ranch in Israel, to create, to crossbreed uh, cows and get a, uh, to produce a red heifer. Well, will that project produce a red heifer? And thus indicating that we are nearing the time for the building of the third temple. Or, this is very important for today's topic, will they need some help? Does the red heifer just have to come from Jews? The answer to that is no. And so that is what I want to bring you up to date on today. Now, the biblical instructions, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but the biblical instructions about the red heifer are found in Numbers 19, verses 1 through 22. You want to read that in detail? You can do that on your own. I'm not going to take time to do that. I want to read Numbers 19, 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, without blemish, and upon which has never came a yoke. So these are some of the qualifications for the red heifer. Again, you want to read it all, Numbers 19, 1 through 22. However, let me bring you up to date. Israel 365, it's a news source. They published an article, Jews and non-Jews join forces in a quest to find the red heifer. It was by Adam Berkowitz. The article is July 11, this this year, and... So I want you to be able to go and look up the article to add credibility to what I'm telling you. Because I talked to my guy, uh, one of my contacts in Israel. He said, Israel uh, 365, reliable news source. And so I want to connect the dots before I just jump on here and start talking about something. So I did a lot of research this morning uh, because I still had a few dots that needed connected after the meeting yesterday. (laughs) So... Um, I think I've got all my dots connected and everything seems legit uh, above board and we're rolling straight along. So that's the title of the article if you want to go look it up. The temple, and it states this, and I wanted to, to pull some excerpts straight from the article because I want you to hear what's going on. And this is what part of what happened yesterday at the meeting over here in Carrollton, Texas. They state, and I'm quoting from the article, the Temple Institute's program, the one they started with the ranch in Israel, they say has yet to produce a suitable uh, red heifer in all the years that they've been trying. Now, you understand they have some that they've been checking and they're hoping that it will, that a couple of them will eventually when they come of age that they'll be totally red. At this point, they do not have one. So they're hoping that a new possibility, um, or no, they, they, so they're, they're hoping to work with these guys now, and it, it appears that a new possibility is being explored. And in fact, it is. I just saw it yesterday. So they say that they're, um, 
educating non-Jewish cattle farmers, we would call them ranchers, outside of Israel in the laws necessary to identify possible candidates for a red heifer. Jewish sources record similar precedents for the red heifer being provided by non-Jews in some of their writings. Um, And numerology indicates that the current year is especially auspicious for the return of the biblical commandment. And I'll get to that in just a moment, a little bit later in the article. But it's very important that we understand. A, A lot of people have said, well, no, it's got to be the Jews that produce this. Some people believe that. But I found out that that's not true. And so now they're working with people. And I know years ago, Irvin Baxter talked about a guy named Clyde Lott, who lived over here in Mississippi. He was a farmer, and he thought he had some red heifers. The Jews were working with him. So I've known for a while that it didn't need to be Jews, just that created the red heifer. They could look wherever. But now they're really, really interested because of something that's happening right now. They say that there are red heifer candidates in Texas. The Temple Institute, and I'm going through some more of the article here, The Temple Institute launched its red heifer program about a decade ago. But they say even in temple times, an animal that fulfilled the biblical requirements was exceedingly rare. The Temple Institute has a breeding program in Israel and is investigating the possibility of utilizing genetic science to produce an entirely red calf. Well, now let me bring you up to speed. This summer... The Temple Institute was contacted by a cattle farmer in Texas who informed them that he had five red calves born on his ranch, about two and a half hours uh, travel from Dallas, where I'm at. So the Temple Institute um, gave a charge to Rabbi Yitzhak Mir Sabo, who is a community rabbi here in Dallas, with making the initial inspection of the calves before some of these other rabbis came over from Israel. The inspection he did was very thorough, and it required about eight hours. I mean, they go over every hair on this the calf. Well, a guy named Shannon Kapitsky, who was working with the, the Temple Institute, he actually traveled to Texas to be part of the delegation sent to inspect the Red Angus calves um, at that time. Kapitsky said, told Israel 365 News that the farmer was a very sweet man and he was a devout Christian, but he said our story was so unusual that at first the guy thought they were actually part of a scam and that they were trying to trick him out out of money or maybe steal the calves, but that's not really not what was happening. And they said that normally calves are um, tagged in their ear when they're just a few days old. Coincidentally, these five calves, they weren't tagged yet. And so these guys were very interested in these. And they were all female as well. So it was very important what was going on here. So the reason they can't use ear tags is because they make a hole in the ear, which is a type of blemish that would disqualify the calf. So Kapitsky said um, that the farmer explained that because of COVID, 
the reason they did that they had not already put a, a tag in the ear of this calf is because of COVID. The employee who puts in the tags didn't come to the farm when those five calves were born. So the heifer born from a natural birth, um, and the, I think the thing, uh, it came along where eventually those five calves were not usable. They were not totally kosher. But the heifer, it's born from a, the, a natural birth, must be entirely red, with no more than two non-red hairs on its body, white or black. And it must also never have been used for any labor or have been impregnated. So, with this farmer, I guess four of the calves were disqualified immediately, but the fifth had a dark area of hair near its mouth that was unclear whether it would be disqualified it for service. And so, to be a suitable for the ceremony, the purification ceremony, the heifer must be two years old and one day. Now, that's according to the article. I want to note here that in the meeting yesterday that I went to Carrollton, the rabbis told us that the calf had to be two years and one month old. And they said which would be one year and ten months for some of the heifers that they have located. So I want to, I want to, I want to bring you totally up to date on what was going on and what happened yesterday. Uh, because you're looking at, what, almost two years away from having a qualified red heifer if these heifers make it to that long and they're still kosher. they got to make it to two years and a month. So then the article goes on to say, sometimes a calf that is perfectly red when it's young or born develops black or white hairs as it grows older and it may develop a blemish or something and that would disqualify it. Sometimes the colored hair falls out or disappears and the Temple Institute decided to, with these five cows, for this guy that lived... Um, couple two or three hours away from here that they would reinspect the calf the one calf at a later date the year of the red heifer um that kapitsky said that uh he explained that the current hebrew year is 5781 5781 and that this would be the year of the red heifer now this is what they believed and it's very important though I wanted to make sure I slowed way down here and made sure you got this. Well, I'm going to wait till on the other side of the break. Sorry about that. It's because this is one of my most important points. And for those of you that only go the first 30 minutes, go to endtime.com, watch the other 30 minutes because I've got a lot of my information is going to be on the backside of this break. So, But it's very important you understand this part because this is the, the people that contacted me and everybody we're involved with. I'll tell you about that on the other side of the break. Don't turn that dial. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. 
It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So, <clears throat> Shannon Kapitsky, he's the guy, he was in the original um, delegation that came over from Israel to inspect the heifers. And he explained that he is part of an ongoing effort to find a red heifer. Obviously, like I said, the Temple Institute's effort with the ranch in Israel has not produced a red heifer. They've still got some that they're looking at and inspecting periodically, but they don't at, at this point they don't have one. So Shannon um, Kapitsky, he said, hey, but we are part of an ongoing effort to find a red heifer. This is very important, and this is what you can look up and different things. Check it out. He said that he is working with Bona Israel. It's B-O-N-E-H, Israel which means to build Israel. So if you want to look it up, B-O-N-E-H Israel.com, Bona Israel. And it's a Christian organization to educate non-Jews to identify possible candidates for the red heifer. Kapitsky is working with him. I talked to, when I went to Carrollton yesterday, I saw the one of the kosher red heifers. And uh, I've got, I, if you follow me on Facebook, I got some pictures up there that you can see of the red heifer. Again, this is one of 21. They have 21 kosher red heifers from here in Texas, all 21 of them. And so it's, you know, will one of them, this is a question. Again, they have to be two years and one month old. They're all brand newborn. None of them have had their ears tagged or anything if they could make it to, to with being totally red, now they're all kosher. If they could make it to being to still be 20, uh, 20, uh, um, two years and one month and still be totally red, they would be qualified. They would be kosher and could be used for this. The Bible says this sacrifice, or this um, these sacrifices are going to be resumed, and so you know they're going to come up with a red heifer sacrifices and things like that are going to be resumed. This could be. Part of the fulfillment of that prophecy. I'm talking about a 25, Daniel 9, 27, 
a 2,500-year-old prophecy, everybody, that these sacrifices would be resumed not very, um, just a very short period of time prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the grand scheme of things. So Kapitsky explained that the Talmud has a precedent for the red heifer being provided by a non-Jew. Again, a lot of people believe that, oh no, it can only be by the Jews. That's simply not the case. He pointed that out. And he said the, the, the red heifer also is not a corbin or a sacrifice. He said it is, it is performed outside of the temple and is considered a ceremony. Now, I will tell you, one of the things he told us yesterday is that they have already purchased a plot of land. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going off the guy's word. I have not documented this, and I want to tell you that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm not doubting his word, but again, I haven't documented it. So I was tempted just not to say anything. But I want you to know, I haven't documented it, but the, the guy did tell us yesterday, I have no reason to not believe him. He's, they all seem very credible. That they have already purchased a plot of land on the Mount of Olives to carry out this purification ceremony. And he said, that's why we, um, and he, he comically said, basically, that's why we are especially looking in Texas uh, for this red heifer for the ceremony and because a lot of these, they're all working together and they, many of them have been, been friends and a lot of different things. So, you know, everybody, everybody, just about everybody that attended the meeting yesterday was from Texas. And I think it's just a Texas thing. You got to be from Texas to kind of understand what they're saying because there's a different mentality in Texas than there is anywhere else in the world. You just have to be from Texas to understand it. And then I'll leave it at that. But the existence of such a heifer, the article says, is considered a biological anomaly, really. It's very rare. And fortunately, the, which is, was unbelievable that they found 21 of them in Texas. They're fully coached. They've all been inspected. 21, everybody. Israel's been trying for years and has not been able to produce one. And these people have 21. Now, 10 of them could uh, have, you know, come up with some black or white hairs and then it would disqualify them. But they've got 21 of them. Fortunately, when I went to the meeting yesterday, I thought they only had 11. And they told us they had 21. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. One of these surely can keep all red hairs until two years and a month. The article says, fortunately, the ritual requires an infinitesimally, infinitesimally small, man, I got a hard time pronouncing that word. It's almost like aluminum, um, small quantity of ashes. So from the time of Moses, who personally prepared for the first heifer until the destruction of the temple. Now think about that. Only nine red heifers were prepared. So, nonetheless, this was sufficient to maintain the ritual purity of the entire nation of Israel. Nine heifers for 2,000 years. So, according to Jewish tradition, there will only be ten red heifers in human history with the tenth heifer ushering in the Messianic era. Again, I said in Jewish 
um, their, in, in, their, uh, in their belief system, okay? And, but the Bible does say that sacrifices will be resumed just prior to Jesus Christ coming back. And so, you know, we got to tie all this in together here because I'm not going to teach you something that's not scriptural. And something that's in somebody's tradition, that's one thing. I'm going to teach you scriptural stuff. So, Maimonides, he's the most renowned medieval Jewish scholar. He uh, he, was known by the acronym Rambam. He wrote in his explanation of the mitzvah that the tenth red heifer will be accomplished by the king, the Messiah, and he may be revealed speedily. Amen. May it be God's will. Okay. So, again, that was Maimonides. That's not scriptural. But we know that the sacrifices will be resumed just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Maybe Maimonides read the Bible. I highly doubt it because they don't follow the New Testament. But anyway, you never know. So, as Christians, this is very, very, very important because I'm going to say, I'm going to guess that 90 plus percent of everybody listening to us is that you consider yourself a Christian and you're saying, why are we even talking about the red heifer? We don't need sacrifices. We don't believe in all that and everything. Okay. I totally agree with you. I know that we as Christians do not need, well, nobody on the planet really uh, needs a physical sacrifice to be saved. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man is born again. He can't enter or see the kingdom of God. The born again experience is what is our plan of salvation for every planet on the, every person on the planet, but it's for this dispensation, the born again plan. Now, prior to this, you had the law. But the law could not make people perfect. Their sins were rolled forward to Calvary. The Bible says the law was a schoolmaster bringing us to Christ, right? We look back to Calvary. I don't need to get up and go find a goat or a calf or something for, for me to sacrifice for the atonement for sin. I don't need to do that. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice. So you're saying, well, why are we so hyped up about this red heifer? Okay, I'm not hyped up about it because I need... I believe in the sacrifice and that it needs to happen. I'm hyped up about it because it could be the fulfillment of a Bible prophecy in just the very near future, the ongoing fulfillment of one that will take place just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's why we're talking about it. But I wanted you all to know that I will never give a dime towards this because I don't, agree with it. I don't agree that it's needed. It's going to happen. Somebody will pay for it. But I I will never give a dime to this. I will never give a dime to the building of the third temple because I don't believe that we need that. You can be, we could be born again and be saved without a red heifer, sacrifices, or another temple being built. But you understand they're prophesied in the Bible. They're going to happen. And so, yes, obviously we need to talk about them. I mean, I didn't really agree with the Berlin Wall. But we talked about it all the time. And I would have loved to have been there when they tore it down and be involved in that. But I didn't agree with it. And, but yet it's, it was a prophecy in the Bible. The, the deadly wound on one of the heads of the beast in Revelation 13, that was healed. 
And when the Berlin Wall came down, that was a healing of the deadly wound. All the world wondered after the beast. That's when they came out of the meetings talking about the New World Order. I didn't agree with any of that stuff. But, man, we sure talked about it. It's one of the things that launched this ministry, really. Irvin Baxter in his original book, A Message for the President. And so I don't agree that they need a red heifer. I don't agree that they need sacrifices. And I don't agree that they need a third temple. But the Bible says they're going to resume sacrifices. They're going to build a third temple. And so they're going to need a red heifer to resume the sacrifices for the purification ceremony. However, as a Christian, I don't agree with it, but I'm sure going to talk about it because it could be a fulfillment of all prophecies. There's a lot of prophecies that I wouldn't necessarily agree with, but I know they're going to happen, so we talk about them. Uh, the, the sixth trumpet war, I don't agree that that should happen, but I know it's going to happen, so we talk about it. You see what I'm saying? So, as Christians, I want to give you the Scripture. You can say, I, I know we don't need this. I've heard it talked before. Yeah, Hebrews 10, 1 through 10. The Bible says, for the law... Okay? They were under the law in the Old Testament. Having a shadow of good things to come. It was not the reality, it was the shadow. I have a shadow, but my shadow is not me. My shadow is just an image. It's just something that I cast. It's something pointing you towards the reality, which is me sitting here talking to you. I'm casting a shadow on this platform that I'm sitting on today. But that's not me. That's just something pointing you towards me. It's, my, it's an image of the reality. So the Bible says it's a shadow. The law was a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things. And it can never, with the sacrifices under the law, which they offered continually year by year, it could not make those who, uh, that make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, right? If it made them perfect once and for all, why continue to offer them? For the worshipers once, once purified would have had no more conscious of sins, but they did. But in those, now I'm still in Hebrews 10, 1 through 10, the Bible says, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Every time you took your sacrifice, it reminded you of, man, I did this in July and this in September and I did that back in June. For it is not possible, back in the scripture, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, who's he? Man, I got a break. Uh, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back through this scripture. I don't want to cut this in half. I'm going to go back to the beginning of Hebrews 10, 1 through 10, and I'm going to reread it. I want to make sure you get it because I want, I want you to get the flow of the scripture. I don't want to cut it in half. So I'm going to go back up to the top. When we get back to the break, we'll go through it quickly because I want you to get the full effect of it. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon-coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Here we go. Hebrews 10, 1 through 10. Do we need sacrifices for salvation, for the atonement for sin? No. Hebrews 10, 1 through 10. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never be, can never with these sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, which they uh, make those who approach perfect. For when they would not have when they would not have ceased to be offered, wouldn't they? For the worshipers once purified would have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. And therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the, of the book, and it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, the, the, those sacrifices, that he may establish the second. Now this is very key, the last verse. But that will, we have been, no, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The act of Calvary purchased, a, Jesus Christ purchased a plan of salvation that we could obey. And it's, it's our born again plan of salvation. I talked about this the other day, I think, but we entered in, when Adam and Eve sinned, we entered into what was called the law of sin and death. And that simply is this, the law that sins, it's got to die. The Lord told them, you eat of this tree, you're going to die. And when they ate of the tree, they began the process of dying. The soul that sins, it's got to die. So that ruled from Adam and Eve until Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came, he never sinned. He lived a perfect life. Of course, he was God manifest in the flesh. But he led a perfect life. He never sinned. But yet the princes of this world put him to death. The Bible says if the princes of this world would have known who he really was, who Jesus was, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know who he really was. They thought he was an actual son, like I have a son Brock. They didn't realize he was God manifest in the flesh. So they put him to death. Well, in doing so, he broke the law. When you... um, uh, 
when you go against a contractor, you void, it voids it out, right? And so that's what happened. They broke the contract. They broke the law of sin and death. And that sacrifice that Jesus made, a spotless lamb who had never sinned, it broke the contract. And if you will obey the act of Calvary and be born again, then you can obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, that's the gospel. And be born again, you don't, you don't need sacrifices. You're not under the law. You say, well, what if you haven't been born again? They need to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, who was a Jew, except a man's born again, he can't enter and see the kingdom of God. It's very, very important. And I wanted to make sure I got this very clear today because, yes, I am pretty hyped up about these red heifers because they're leaning towards the ongoing fulfillment of a Bible prophecy. So, yeah, I'm excited about them. And, but... I'm not, I'm not excited because, yeah, here's a new plan of salvation. We can go sacrifice. That's not what it's all about, everybody. I know that the born-again plan of salvation is obeying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? How do you obey the death? You die to yourself in repentance. How do you obey the burial? Your Bible says we're buried with him in baptism. How do you obey that resurrection? You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says if the... If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you at the time of the rapture, you'll be changed from immortal to immortal and you'll be caught up to meet him in the air. You're a born again individual. And so that's the plan of salvation he purchased on Calvary. And we don't need the sacrifices. So I want to make sure I got that very clear because I know my audience. And you guys are going to email me and say, why are you talking about this? Because why am I excited? Well, this project could be the ongoing fulfillment, again, um, uh, of the and possible eventual culmination of a very recognizable Bible prophecy. But I wanted to make sure I was very clear here on what I believe and what I believe we need for salvation and what's going on in the scriptures. So let, let me give you a, a quick scenario of what's, going, what's coming in the future. And I'm not going to cover the Sixth Trumpet War. I'm going to cover the, the, the coming Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement. Um, the Bible prophesies a peace agreement will be reached between the Israelis and Palestinians. When that agreement is concluded, it will trigger a final seven-year period that will culminate at the Battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Some of the provisions of this coming agreement will be... A Palestinian state is going to be created in Judea, commonly referred to as the West Bank. The Jews presently living in the area known as uh, that, new, that new Palestinian state, currently the West Bank, they're going to be permitted to stay out there, living as a Jewish minority under that Palestinian government. The Temple Mount is going to be placed under a sharing arrangement between Jews and Muslims. Israel will be allowed to build its third temple without disturbing the Dome of the Rock. We talked about that yesterday. They said, yes, that's absolutely possible. A guy named Dr. Robert Mawiri was there, and he told uh, about a prophecy that he believed that they could build it, and there was a separation between them and uh, 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 something pagan or bad. And so, um, But I know from, uh, and I think he also mentioned Revelation 11, 1 and 2, which lets me know 
that they will be able to build that up there on, um, without removing the Dome of the Rock of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So the international community, the world government's probably going to put, be, it's going to be put under their supervision in that sharing arrangement. Kind of like um, Hebron and the, the uh, Tomb of the Patriarchs, how the Palestinians are, the Arabs are allowed to come there for a while and the Jews, it's a sharing arrangement. Also, negotiations concerning the status of Jerusalem, that's going to reach an impasse. They're, they're never going to agree on that. That's what the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought over, really. And therefore, a, the final agreement on that issue, that's going to be postponed, according to Scripture, about seven years. And that's going to be with the understanding that, hey, it's going to be dealt with at that time. And in the interim, Israel will retain control of all of Jerusalem. They're going to retain control of Jerusalem all the way to the Battle of Armageddon. And then the Jewish temple, it's going to be completed during the first three and one half years of that final seven-year agreement. When the temple is completed, very important, the Jews will begin to offer animal sacrifices just as they did before the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD. You understand, there hasn't been a red heifer since then. And now you can understand the significance of what I saw yesterday. I saw one of 21 red heifers, kosher red heifers. They've all been inspected. 21, folks. And you think this couldn't be the ongoing fulfillment of a Bible prophecy? At least the effort to get one is. Now, you say, well, hey, all 20 of these, all 21 of these could get a white hair. Yeah, they, sh- they could. They absolutely could. But I'm interested in the effort to get a red heifer. That's what I'm interested in. And I went and saw one yesterday that's been inspected and it's kosher. So one of the 21 is all they need to get two years and one month old to set this ball rolling down the hill. And so, you, you know, it's already actually in motion with the effort to get the thing. So uh, also the, the killing of animals, you know, it's going to happen every morning, every evening. And the, the Jewish scriptures dictate that um, and, and that, and it's going to be met with outraged opposition, obviously. The, the, the animal rights activists will be incensed by what they view as a barbaric religious practice that was no place in the modern world, shouldn't have, and demonstrates uh, demonstrations against the sacrifices will escalate. You can imagine. Look at some of the, um, the, the, the rights activists and different people, animal rights activists, that don't want you to kill any animal. They, they're, they're, imagine what's going to happen when they see on TV somebody killing an animal every morning, every evening. And since the international community was given responsibility of the supervision of the temple, pressure will mount for them to stop those sacrifices. And by that time, there's going to be this very charismatic world politician. He will have gained recognition as the leader of the international community. And he will have participated in the peace agreement that allowed for the building of the third temple. Speculation will be circulating that perhaps maybe he could be the Messiah. And the pressure to resolve the dispute over the sacrifices is going to fall on his shoulders. And that world leader, who the Bible calls the Antichrist, will order the sacrifices stopped. The Bible tells us that. I just read it. Um, Daniel eleven thirty one, and Daniel nine twenty seven. The sacrifices will be stopped. 
He will explain that they are not needed. And this, this is another thing. This is why I've talked against preterism a few times. A lot of people say, well, Jesus stopped the sacrifice. And so that's, you know, when everything happened way back then. No, 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 this is not. It's talking about a future sacrifice. Okay? It's very important we understand this. Um, because it's at the time of the abomination of desolation. Jesus in Matthew 24 talked about, they asked him, what's going to be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? In Matthew 24, he says that... Um, that the abomin- when you see the abomination of desolation occur, spoken of by Daniel the prophet in Daniel 9.27, whoso readeth, let him understand that he, he knew he was sitting there talking to the apostles about the, they, were, they were overlooking the temple mount, and he said that it will happen right down there in the holy place. Well, that, they knew where that was. That was down there in the temple. And he, he told them, this temple is going to be destroyed. So he's talking about a future event. Towards the end of the age, during our era, not their era. So it's very important. You get all your times and everything laid out here when you're figuring out Bible prophecy. And so they're going to think he's the Messiah and he's going to make this declaration. They're going to you know, stop the sacrifices. He's going to make a declaration on the Temple Mount. I'm God. I'm the Messiah. Stop the sacrifices. You don't need them. The Bible calls that event the abomination of desolation. And then you guys know what happens from there. There's many things that happen at the three and a half year mark. Then the Great Tribulation, that's what the catalyst that launches us into the final three and one half years, which is the Great Tribulation. That's when the Mark of the Beast is doled out. That's when the two witnesses are on the scene. At the end of that final seven years, the Battle of Armageddon, the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what's in the near future. And so why am I so hyped up on this today? This could be uh, one of the greatest prophetic fulfillments in the last 2,000 years. They finally get a red heifer. It gets up to two years plus. And they sacrifice it. They start to sacrifice as the temple's built. You can see. Will one of these red heifers be one of them? I cannot answer that. But it's still exciting. The effort, the ongoing effort. Jews working with Gentiles, non-Jews, to acquire a red heifer. It's exciting. And we're watching it, folks. And who knows? We'll see what happens in the near future. And God bless you. Merry Christmas. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.